Coming up on Chasing the Natty, spring games continue and I have Brandon Sanders on to give you 11 of the weekend's biggest takeaways. In addition, we'll be discussing the transfer of four-star receiver from Alabama, Ajay Hall. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Wednesday morning. I apologize for getting this out late to you guys this week. Uh, just a lot of crazy stuff going on over here in the realm that we all call real life. So I had to delay this just by a couple of days. But because of that, we're able to get you some even more information to bring to you guys today. Very excited about it. As always, I have a guest on today to discuss the news of this past week, and that is today... Mr. Brandon T. Sanders, host of the Future Freshman Podcast and just overall wonderful, wonderful CFF analyst we have here at Canada Campus to Canton. Jared speak English today. Good Lord. Brandon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, sir. Uh it's uh it's been a it's been a fun weekend, man. But it's uh it's been been busy, but in a good way. So I'm excited to be on, man. Felt good to just kind of sit down on Saturday and just watch football game after football game again. Uh kind of like how we do in the fall. Uh, it's yeah. a little harder for me to get to some of these though because I don't have cable during the off season because I'm a broke college student like that. Um, <laughs> so I have the ESPN Plus still, so I was able to catch catch um, catch a lot of the games that they have on that. Um, yeah. But for some reason, ESPN, even if you have ESPN Plus, they're like, oh, you still need to log into your cable provider in order to watch the games that are on espn channels and i'm just like you know i would happily pay like ten dollars more a month if you would just let me watch the games that you had on espn like it's fine i could do that espn like let's let's make a deal here okay get it together espn so but even so i had a good time with it this weekend everything um yeah again we got a lot to talk about here uh we'll be talking about ajay hall transferring out of alabama yes my georgia fans out there it is possible for alabama to lose guys to the play to the transfer portal too no need mm-hmm. to freak out about all the guys that we're losing except for jermaine burton that one still hurts a little bit um Oof. but even still we got a lot to get to you guys today we're going to talk about 11 takeaways from this weekend's games why 11 because we like to go that extra mile around here uh, not definitely not because I forgot to add one to the list and we decided that it wasn't worth taking away any of the other takeaways at so, all definitely not any of that before we get started let me give you our little spiel real quick it's been a while since I've given you guys this so might as well go ahead and give it to you guys again if you're watching this on YouTube make sure you like subscribe comment right down there below I love talking to you guys down there in the comment section whenever you do leave a little comment down there um, if you're listening to this on a podcast go ahead and take a look have you left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify just double check. See see if you can do it real quick. It's very easy. Takes only just a couple of minutes. Helps us out a ton. Uh, again, same thing with the subscribership on YouTube. Takes two seconds. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Perfect for us. But even still, as always, we are part of the Campus Canton team over here. Me and Brandon are part of the CFF team, but we got a ton of great stuff for you guys every single week. Got myself, again, Brandon, Nate Marquise, Chris Moxley. We're bringing you guys podcasts, articles, rankings, CFF ADP and even more to come later down the line. So absolutely keep an eye out on all of us. But even still, we are a part of a massive podcast family. You can find us typically on Monday mornings. Again, not this week, but typically you will find us on Monday mornings. Chasing Natty with myself and whoever I happen to bring on that week. Uh, Tuesdays, you have Campus Life with Austin Nace and Colin Decker on the podcast side of things. It is the college side of the Campus Canton podcast. On Wednesdays, you have Debbie Debate live streamed on YouTube at 9.30 at night, Eastern Standard Time, with Felix Sharp, Matthew Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley. On Thursdays, you have the Canton Bound podcast with Austin Nace and Colin Decker, the, the NFL side of the Campus Canton podcast. And then as well, you have the official with Alfred Fernandez, Matt Powell, and David Nipple on YouTube, a recruiting analytics, analytics show. 
Absolutely should check that one out. And then on Fridays, you have Mr. Brandon T. Sanders, who is right above me. He has his future freshman podcast where he discusses a whole host of freshmen every single week. So you are better prepared for both your supplemental drafts and also possibly a few guys that might impact year one. We'll find out. Um, but even still, in addition to that, we got a couple of daily podcasts going on right now. Matthew Bruning's been doing an awesome job with his spring game, his spring practice reports. They are a nightly listen for me at this point to make sure I didn't miss anything throughout the day. And then you still have the daily draft report going on with Dwight Peebles. He's done a fantastic job going over all those different prospects. If you feel like you need to catch up on some guys in the NFL draft this year, which is only two weeks away now, two, two mm-hmm. and a half weeks away now. Yeah, pretty close. Um, so absolutely go check that out. But even so, Brandon, before we get started, I want to ask you, is there anything that you are working on specifically that you want to throw out to the people real quick? So uh, if you haven't seen it already, go check out the uh, spring report uh, that we had from North Carolina. I was able to go to Chapel Hill, so it felt kind of like uh, tailgating, felt like uh, like going to an actual game like I usually do once a year. So it was actually really nice to be there, uh, you know, be able to see the campus, being able to go into Kenny Memorial. Uh, we did have an interview with Don Callahan at Inside Carolina. Uh, you'll actually see that on this week's Future Freshman podcast. So you'll see that. Uh, also have something lined up for those that are NC State fans with uh, Corey at uh, Pack Pride. So those will be coming out on Friday as well. Um, so if you're listening to this Devin Leary hype that you may hear about here uh, here in a few minutes, that you know that's definitely on the table for this coming as well. And we're also going to talk some freshmen and who's you know uh, in their eyes being the recruiting people and the editors of those sites who they you know think might actually work in year one like in year one production and that's what we're looking for at the future freshman podcast of course you can find the podcast every friday morning um and then other than that man i'm just uh trying to update rankings when i can and uh you know getting ready to uh possibly do this rbu article here about uh carolina just like you saw from nate so keep your eyes peeled yeah i got mine coming as well i got the um I got the Georgia version of the RBU article coming out pretty soon. I'll be covering all of the different guys that are there at Georgia that you guys are going to be interested in. Um, I got my transfer report, report every week. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to get that on a weekly basis. Uh, again, unfortunately, with graduate school and everything like that, things are falling a little bit behind for me. Uh, but I'm trying to get to you guys, get that to you guys every single week, um, just so you can. It's easier for you to keep up with every single week. Um, this week, that, that should be out in the next couple of days. We'll be covering guys like we're about to talk about Jai Hall. Uh, Tyler Harrell, who literally just entered the transfer portal, he's going to be on there this week. Marquise Irving out of Minnesota, that's a big one. Uh, maybe it, like maybe not in terms of where Irving lands, but in terms of what it means for guys like Treshawn Potts and uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, who are still there at Minnesota. So definitely a lot of interesting stuff kind of going on this week in terms of the transfer portal. And speaking of the transfer portal report, Let's go ahead and talk about just the biggest transfer of this past week. Long time coming, we felt like, for this one, and just with everything we have been hearing. But Ajay Hall has finally entered the transfer portal out of Alabama. We all kind of knew that there was going to be, like, again, Bama brought in four top wide receivers last year in Ajay Hall, Ja'Cory Brooks, JoJo Earl, and Christian Leary. You knew that at least one of them was going to be hitting the portal by year's end because they just weren't getting the playing time that they thought they were going to deserve. And a lot of people were were not expecting a Jai Hall because of the way he came out onto the spring game last year. Everybody was like hyping him up, saying like, all right, he's the next big freshman wide receiver. Just didn't pan out. And he's been very vocal about the fact that he has not been happy with that throughout this entire year. And so now we've just gotten to the point where Hall is in the portal. Brandon, what are your thoughts on this? So I think the the writing was on the wall, especially when you have Coach Saban, you know, making it known that, hey, he doesn't want you posting stuff on social media. You know, it. You know, the kid just had, you know, he, he's he's got some stuff going on. But at the same time, he's still an athlete and he's, you know, he's still a really talented receiver. So someone's going to take a stab at him and we could talk about, you know, the names like a possible Texas who has, you know, money in place to probably make that happen or a team like Miami who has taken kids that, you know, need a little bit more maturing and was able to kind of help them out so that we could see the U kind of pick them up and do that as well. We can know that, you know, Miami's in need of a dominant, you know, true wide receiver one, I believe. I still think that's still in the works. So that's also an option. So the kid's going to go somewhere. There's always going to be maybe a G5 school that might try to put some money together to try to lure him out there. You never know. So someone's going to take a stab at him, but uh, 
as far as CFF, it's really going to come down to where he's at and what the uh, what the roster construction is kind of looking like there and who's the quarterback, basically. But, uh, you know, tough break for the kid, but I'm sure he'll land on his feet somewhere. We just hope that he, you know, by the time he gets draft stock, that he's looking a lot better and looking a little bit more mature, you know, as far as uh, mentally moving forward. But heck of a talent, man. Yeah, I can agree with you more. Some, somebody's going to take a shot on, on a Jai Hall. He's too young. Um, again, we all make mistakes in college. We all have maturing to do when we get to college and everything. So there's going to be a program out there that's going to think that they can take him, maybe rehabilitate him a little bit from his time at Alabama and everything. My my thing is, I'm I've I'm shocked honestly that Saban, even, like just everything I've heard, like this just didn't he didn't strike me as the kind of guy that Saban would typically have accepted a commitment from um just kind of from the very beginning like Saban usually typically goes for the guys that are like team first like just have that mentality and just again from everything I've heard I'm not trying to bash Jai Hall like again like everybody's got to look out for themselves no doubt about it but again he just didn't strike me as the kind of guy that Saban would typically have had the patience for in this program and clearly he ran out and like I've never seen Saban call out a player nearly as much as he did with the Jai Hall now he typically never named a Jai Hall but there was that time where he was talking to like a bunch of coaches and he specifically talked about how oh we had guys last year uh who were complaining about never getting the start and everything but when like our top two receivers went down and then they had to go out there is their time they weren't prepared because they were too busy out there moping about it rather than actually putting in the work they needed to do Mm. I'm like he's talking about a Jai Hall here like again yeah, we all watched clearly. the championship here like a Jai Hall in that game like made a spectacular grab or two but he also had a lot of drops and just yeah. a lot of bad mistakes in that game and we all again we all knew who he, talk, who he was talking about clearly there was not a great relationship between Saban and Hall here so I'm again I'm kind of shocked this ever really happened in the first place and so I'm yeah. going to I, I'm going to guess he does go somewhere where the culture like again it sounds like I'm bashing like schools when I say like if they're willing to take him that they're like they're going to have a little bit more patience um, like a school is going to have a little bit more right. patience it's going to be somebody like that um, so again that's why Miami kind of came to my mind uh, almost immediately I could see Texas um, again they definitely have the NIL money and everything if they really wanted to get it done with him mm-hmm. but again. I have no clue, and like with you, Brandon, for me, it's going to be, like, like really with all transfers, it's going to be based on where he lands. Like, if he goes, yeah. if he were to go to, like, USC, where that wide receiver room is already packed to the gills with every living player, like, I'm not going to take a Jai <laughs> Hall on anything. No. Um, and also, why would he go from one crowded wide receiver room to another? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've seen crazier things in the transfer portal, though. Um, all this to say, again, Paul, clearly talented, still young. Plenty of time to turn things around. I'll be interested to see where he lands, but again, that landing spot is going to do a ton in terms of how I think about him going into this year. All right, spring takeaways. Um, We got 11 of them really to go with you. Again, I was thinking about doing the whole, like we go through every single one, try to hit as many details as we can. I like to bring to you guys as much content as possible, but there's just too much going on this past weekend, and I really just wanted to break it down to what I thought were the most, the, the biggest takeaways from the weekend. We can then use those to kind of talk about some other players and stuff like that from there in terms of like, if we're talking about the Louisville game, again, clearly if you're watching on YouTube, I'm about to talk about Jalen Mitchell, but we'll talk about Malik Cunningham a little bit here. Uh, there's some takeaways to go away from him there as well. Uh, but even still, we're going to talk mostly about specific takeaways and then we'll, we can meander into some other players in those games as well. So... Let's start off the first thing here. We're going to go with the Louisville spring game. And the main takeaway for me here was not just Malik Cunningham, but the one, the thing that really stood out to me was we've been debating this offseason, like who's going to retake the RB1 at Louisville? Like, again, we had Tyad Evans transferring in from Tennessee. A lot of people love Travion Cooley. Uh, Jalen Mitchell was the guy last year, but he had a very, very, shall we say, pedestrian year. It didn't help that Malik Cunningham took away like every touchdown possible away from him. Uh, but also didn't help that Mitchell just wasn't performing very well. So the the big takeaway for me really seemed like that Mitchell seems to have kind of reclaimed his RB1 status at Louisville. Now, granted, Cooley was injured, but, and normally I would say, okay, Cooley's injured, we still got to see and everything here, but like 
Mitchell looked like one of the best players on the field for Louisville during their spring game. He had three touchdowns on the day. One came on the ground, but two of them came through the air. He has lost weight since last year. They were trying to make him a little bit more dynamic than he was last year, and it's clearly paying off. And so, again, within a offense that looks like that they have a lack of pa- like proven pass catchers and everything like that, it'd be interesting to see if Mitchell continues down this stretch and just solidifies himself again as the RB1. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, so, you know, and the other takeaway is they're trying to get Malik Cunningham to kind of center his game around in the pocket a little bit more and not try to run out, as they're saying. So this bodes well for Jalen Mitchell, who now has slimmed down, and he's more of a pass-catching back, and that's also great. So for talking fantasy, if you're in PPR, this is ideal for that type of situation. So Jalen Mitchell, you know, stuff uh, as far as – his value is definitely going to move up as well. So you're starting to see the the newer offensive mindset kind of come into play here for sure. Um, I, I definitely think um, I was a tie on Evans guy. So this is, you know, for me, it's just going to have to readjust. So move, move down the rankings. Mitchell's moving up basically. So, uh, but I love that Mitchell is being featured more. Uh, we all saw he had the talent. It just, it was very mediocre last year. So it wasn't really worth, uh, especially Redraft, not really worth almost a rostering spot. He definitely would either sit the bench or you would, you know, plug him in with somebody else, depending on what you got going on, right? Uh, so it's good to see that he's definitely uh, – I don't know if he's just taken more seriously or it's just the offensive. They're just trying to get the running back more in play and maybe keeping uh, Malik from, you know, running as much. That's not great to hear because, you know, Malik Cunningham is literally a, an absolute monster, can drop 50 points on you if he has a, a running and passing game. Uh, going on, but it is cool to see that uh, Jalen Mitchell's uh, trying to come back and, and retake this spot. Um, it'll be interesting seeing, uh, you know, with the, uh, you know, once you transfer portal, once it's hard to uh, hard to dip out again. So I don't know if guys like Evans and stuff like that if they'll uh, stick around and just hope that they can kind of win in the summertime. So we'll see, right? Yeah, and like the, the other thing that I can already hear people tell me is like, again, Cooley's injured. Like you can't just right. make you can't jump on this yet. And like I'm not fully jumping on it again like if you're watching on youtube you can see i have a big old question mark there at the end to me it's stock up for jalen mitchell he's higher on me i have i hold him in higher regard than i did a week ago right just see the rumors i've been hearing but like to see that actually come to life on the field in the spring game telling me hey mitchell is looking better than he did last year and if that is the case I'm probably going to want to take a shot on him later in some drafts because we've seen the the Louisville running back, like the top running back, be very productive for CFF. Javion Hawkins a couple years ago was absolutely a monster for people. So if Mitchell can do just even like 70, 80% of that, he's going to be great for CFF this upcoming year. Um, Brandon, you kind of touched on it. The other kind of takeaway here for me was um, the... um, the fact that they've said they want to keep Malik Cunningham in the pocket a little bit more, which, again, is not what you want to hear. Uh, nope. dude, dude's value comes through his touchdowns and rushing on the ground. So if you're a Malik Cunningham owner, you definitely don't want to hear that. And then also we just got news a couple minutes ago. Tyler Harrell, the wide receiver, he played well in this game. Uh, just entered the transfer portal. And, Brandon, you're going to get a live reaction to this one because uh, yeah. guess, uh, guess where they're rumoring him to go right now. Where's the ball dropping? uh alabama oh oh man oh so for but all right so my instant reaction is how do you feel because you you know it's jojo earl or you know it could be Corey brooks i know uh you know guys like cats as a as a brooks guy you're an earl guy so what does that say is he come in and take wide receiver two or do you think he kind of just falls in line i think he falls in line uh, I would be shocked if he's like given an instant starter when he gets there. Um, right, I mean, he's got to earn the, it, but the, the kid's got who, talent. The person who would be in most danger, in my opinion, would be uh, Jacory Brooks, because yeah. Burton, it sounds like, has solidified his number one role uh, just by yeah. all accounts out of there. He's he, he's penciled in for a thousand yards this year. Um, but Harold was never really a slot guy at Louisville. He was an outside threat. So again, you're not going to hit JoJo Earl there. It's going to hit Jacory Brooks. Uh, right. So if if anybody again he could just walk in there and be a depth piece for them because Alabama is a, little, is a little thin at receiver in terms of who they have behind their starters right now so yep. wouldn't be surprised if Alabama's just trying to bring him in as a depth piece. Yep. All right. Wow. Okay. 
Let's go ahead and move on to our second takeaway here, going to the Houston Cougars, and that is Mr. Matthew Golden has arrived in Houston. Uh, Brandon, you are at, like you have been the guy that kind of put me on Golden, put a lot of people on Golden very early on. He was your first big fish, small pond in uh, for the Future Freshman Podcast. So I'm going to let you kind of drive this discussion uh first sure so i am the conductor of this hype train everyone needs to get on board with matthew gold and the kid is an absolute stud even the guys over uh you know of course as a team of c2c but actually in c2c formats they had him tense so they really liked him but you know we i just listened to the campus life one and you know both colin and austin were like maybe we had him too low maybe he should have been in the top five along with guys like uh, Shelton at Oklahoma State and a couple of other guys, T-Mac, of course, who we'll talk about a little bit later at, at Arizona. Uh, the kid's an absolute monster. I wouldn't be surprised if even if he stays at Houston for all four years at a P5 level, he's going to absolutely smash. We got one year Nathaniel Dell left before, uh, you know, he moves over probably to the NFL because Dell is actually really, really good. I will not call that man tank. He was never tank. I don't care what PFF says. Uh, but Matthew That's Golden. so weird. Like, I, 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 right. I've started exactly. seeing more people call him tank now. I'm like, why is it's he It's only because tank? PFF called him tank. And I was like, someone's probably heard some random nickname and probably was like his uncle. And so then PFF's like, yeah, let's call him Tank Dell. I was like, no, man, it's Nathaniel Dell. Uh, but anyway, regardless, Matthew Golden is the absolute biggest fish right now in the smallest pond of being G5. Uh, the kid just plays like he should have been in like Penn State or one of these big, you know, Ohio State. Like the kid should have been in one of these big ones. But the fact that he wanted to stay closer to home, I love the Holgerson offense. Uh, I like what Clayton Toon's doing. I'm I'm high on Toon this year, just like I am Leary. Uh, I think this is a great fit. And I just saw the writing on the wall because you looked at the depth and I was like, this kid's got such a great pedigree. He's got sticky hands and he just knows how to adjust. And that's what you want a wide receiver, right? Yep. You want a guy that's going to be the dominant alpha once the alpha leaves. And Matthew Golden's already ready to be like wide receiver two. If Dale goes down, we're looking at wide receiver one early. So the kid absolutely smashed two touchdowns right on the wall. It just, it made me smile from ear to ear. And then of course, when we were talking about it Saturday morning, when I arrived in Chapel Hill and saw the tweets of everyone, like who's this Matthew golden kid it just, it just made me smile. And I was just like, Hey, and then, you know, we did the jokes like, Hey, I wonder uh, who might've talked about this kid like a month ago on a podcast <laughs> or something like that. And then I gave the, you know, little winky face or whatever, or the smirk or whatever. So, Hey guys, listen to the future freshman podcast. You might find these, these, these cats like Matthew golden all of a sudden, boom, you're ready. Uh, you're ready to take the man. So uh, if anything, I'm pretty sure like if I don't get the top three picks of the first round of why, you know, of, of the freshman draft, you're probably not going to be able to take Matthew Golden at this point. Kids an absolute stud. Uh, you know, so if you're in the middle or middle of the back of the first round, you might want to start looking to uh, talk to your league mates if you're really big on Matthew Golden, because uh, I don't think he's going to stay mid first round very much longer. I'm pretty sure he's going to be one or two picks up. So. I would disagree with you. I would say he probably okay. was already in the second round. I think he'll probably move up into the late first round. There's going to be other. Okay. There's going to be people who want to take a guy like Jamarian Miller because uh, you know yeah. next up running back at Alabama. Like there's just like other proven proven sure, roles yeah. that people are going to want just a little bit more. So I would be surprised too, if he yeah. is is a late first round guy in supplemental drafts now. Um, but yeah, there's not much else I can really m- much add for you here, Brandon. <laughs> Because uh, again, you, this is sorry, this I got is, hyped. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> no, this is what I want. Um, I, I'm kind of with Nate though. Nate Marquise in our Slack at one point was just like, I kind of wish <laughs> that Golden didn't. didn't enroll early in spring because now everybody knows about him. I know it's the same uh, thing with like Andre Green, the couple other guys that didn't get to play the spring one. Now it's like a question you might get value right. That value is completely gone. Matthew Golden, the sky's the limit with this kid. I agree. And again, there's nothing much else I can say. Like, he's clearly the, probably the next guy up after Nathaniel Dell goes, and he proved it as soon as he stepped on the campus. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and move on to our next one. We're running a little long here. Let's go ahead and speed this up just a little bit. We're going yep. over to the Liberty Flames, um, where the worst possible news <laughs> we could get in terms of this quarterback battle, oh, going man. back to before the spring, I believe it was Nate Marquise and I were talking about some of these cute, these, uh, different battles that we're going to keep an eye on in spring. One of the things we brought up was the Liberty QB room because they had Charlie Brewer, you had uh, uh, Caden Salter, and you had Jonathan Bennett. 
Honestly, either Bennett or Salter, we were kind of okay with. I was going to take both, yeah. Like, Salter was the guy that's, like, provide the highest upside if he could start. Uh, but we all knew that Brew was, like, the guy with the experience. Uh, he's been at two different schools already, started at both of them. And so you're like, okay, is this going to be the situation where they just kind of go with the guy with the experience? And unfortunately, it looks like it is. Charlie Brewer did get first snaps for Liberty in the spring game. And we all cry a little bit on the inside because if there's one thing that Charlie Brewer isn't, it's mobile. And so um, very not excited about that. But there was a ray of sunshine in this spring game as well. You had Mr. Day Day Hunter transfer running back out of Hawaii, which, by the way, Hawaii to Liberty is a massive, massive transition. Holy cow! <laughs> that like you went from you went from Hawaii to the East Coast, like good yep, lord, straight um, to Virginia. But even so, Day Day Hunter impressed a ton yesterday. I know Chris Moxley is extremely, extremely happy about it. He's been hyping up Day Day a little bit in our slacks and on on Twitter and stuff like that. He's very happy to have been proven right. It looks like that because we're not getting our QB right now that we want out of Liberty, we might turn our heads towards the running back position. And Day Day Hunter, from all reports, sound like he might have been the best player on the offense yesterday. So definitely stock up for Day Day. Brandon, any other thoughts you have on the Liberty Flames? No, uh, just stock down on my boy CJ Daniels, the wide receiver. Uh, I, I know he was doing well with our boy Malik Willis, with Willis Long and this journeyman of Charlie Brewer who – he might have finally found him a place where they're just they can't deny the man. So it's you know it is what it is. Charlie Brewer's there, but stock down on C.J. Daniels and uh, you know all aboard the uh, the Day Hunter train. It sounds like he would be our guy that we want to talk. He's great for um he's going he's pretty bad you know good value right now, especially in best ball too right now. I don't think people are really understanding that Day Day's actually at Liberty. So now you know with this information coming out, his stock will come up. But he's a really good like mid uh, late round running back. I know. Jared's pretty big on like he wants to take his running backs early because he's you know he's not as confident maybe when he's doing that one this would be a good one mid to to later rounds especially for redraft for sure I would definitely agree like if if I'm struggling at getting the right running backs for my for my um yeah day's good safety day day I would definitely like if I'm in like the 10th 11th 11th round I'm like looking for a guy I'm probably looking day day yeah for real all right Let's go ahead and move on. Let's go ahead and talk about Purdue, the Purdue Boilermakers. And to me, it's time to let go for now with Milton Wright. Uh, things just, that situation is just not getting much better. He has not been getting to practices. He wasn't involved in the spring game. We need to start looking elsewhere for who our main wide receiver at Purdue is going to be. And to me, let me let me say something real quick. So a lot of people will be very quick to say when it comes to all these spring games and everything, it's like, oh, you can't just take a spring game performance and apply it to the rest of the season. I agree. I agree. Here's what you have to be looking out for. You keep your ear down to the ground on during the spring practices. Start listening for the steady drum beats. And then when that steady drum beat is then confirmed in the spring game, that's when you know you have something. Tyrone Tracy is one of those guys. We have been hearing for a while that in at Purdue, Tyrone Tracy has come in and become one of the most dynamic players that they have had on that offense. He has been getting snaps on the outside, in the slot, and in the backfield. He has been getting running back carries. Uh, and we saw that in the spring game. Dude had an excellent spring game. I believe he had seven touches for uh, six, yeah, 74 yards and a touchdown. This, to me, is the guy that you're going to want out of Purdue's offense going into the year. The spring game just confirmed basically what we've been hearing. Um, Brandon, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, with so Milton Wright is absent. Like he, Whether it's grades or whatever the rumor is or whatever, he is not there. Even when he gets back, it's going to take him some time you know, to rock, knock off the offseason rust, right? Tyron Tracy is, you know, he's killing it. He's picked up the playbook. He's being used in multiple positions, wide receiver and on the sweeps. So we're looking at a lot of these teams that have seen what teams like San Francisco did with the Niners with Debo and things like that. So you're starting to see. I wouldn't say copycat, but you're starting to see some of that develop, whether you hear it from Tyron Tracy or Josh Downs or all these other guys that are kind of performing. 
And that's valuable because that means they're getting the ball in their hands. And that's what you want in a PPR format, especially if you're doing half point, even half point's great. Full point is even better. And Purdue and Aiden O'Connell was a great value in CFF already. Um, he's got the job done. We talked about Brady Allen on the Future Freshman podcast coming in later. So, you know, you got you got the production there at quarterback. So now you're looking for the alpha. And Tyron Tracy has come on strong. And I think he'll, you know, kind of keep the reins. Even if Milton Wrights comes back, it might split some of that off of there. But if you have a gadget guy like Tracy, that's going to be pretty valuable for you. So even him by himself, I think Purdue can handle at least two decent wide receivers. I mean, they did it, you know, a couple of years back. But, I mean, it's been a hot minute. But, you know, it's it can be done, especially in this offense. So I do like Tracy. Um, and I think he is a buy in CFF for sure. And uh, if he's in supplemental, it'd be worth a shot to take the stab at him early. So. Probably is available in supplementals because he got yeah. uh he was at Iowa and nobody wants any piece of the Iowa no. offense. Let's be real. I'm so glad he got out of there, man. <laughs> it, it looks like he made the right decision because again he came oh, over sure. to Purdue and it sounds like they were just like, hey, there he he's a stud. Let's get him the ball. And so I'm very excited to see what we can get out of Tyrone Tracy at Purdue uh, going forward. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to let you start off on this one, but I'll go ahead and let the people know what our takeaway is here. We got Mr. Evan Prater starts for Cincinnati. So, Brandon, what are our takeaways here? What does this impact? So, in camp, it just it felt like they were trying to go the other way, or at least with, with Ben Bryant. I mean, he literally went back back to Cincinnati, and we're like, okay, maybe it's him. But then all of a sudden, Evan Prater has been getting a lot of noise. So this solidifies that Evan Prater is, in fact, at least taking first-team reps. There was no coin toss or whatever rumor or whatever thing you want to say happened. Prater just straight up got the start. Uh, he's explosive. Uh, he's making plays. I like this for Cincinnati. Uh, I don't – you know, it kind of makes me – because sounds like it's going to be more pass-oriented. So the running back stuff that we're used to, like a drone forward on that one, we might have to temper maybe a few expectations when it comes to Cincinnati. Not a, not a lot. I still think there's value there. But the way that he's able to get it, and I'm going to let you try to you know do the tight end name on there, but the one that uh, Alfred had in his eyes on last year uh, as far as like C2C and stuff like that, going off for two touchdowns with Evan Prater. Uh, I, I like this offense. It's looking, it's looking good. Um, so the Bearcats uh, – I think they'll they'll be very competitive again this year, and I like Prater at the helm versus uh, Bryant. So I really enjoyed the the spring uh, highlights that I got to see. Yeah, not only did Prater start, he looked good. Like he looked yeah. good compared to He's Bryant. Strong. Like Bryant didn't do bad or anything like that, but like Prater right. looked like the better quarterback overall. And I think that's exactly what we wanted to see out of this. And you did leave me the tight end, who's the other takeaway Sorry. here. I <laughs> know uh, it's fine. Uh, Shaman Mateer. I'm gonna guess the tight Mateer Mateer. Mm. One of those um, things. One of those. Uh, he looks like to be the next big tight end here at Cincinnati. Now, Josh Wiley is still there, and I have him on my dynasty team, so I'm like not like uh, I, I don't no, want to say hurts. don't want to say <laughs> this, but like Mateo looks incredible. He looks yeah. like one of the better players on the field for Cincinnati. He has grown a ton since last year. Um, he caught a touchdown pass from both Prater and Bryant, so it does, it's clearly he's going to be a red zone target for either of them when they get down there. I would definitely try to invest in him as a guy that if he doesn't pop off this year, he's probably going to pop off next year as well. Um, And Cincinnati, they love running their two tight end sets out there. So he's going to find his way onto the field constantly. So um, other takeaways I might have for Cincinnati. And again, again, main thing here is Evan Prater starts. I think he's the most dynamic quarterback. He provides the most CFF upside. Um, Tyler Scott impressed me. Um, again, we lost Alec Pierce last year. Alec Pierce was starting to really come on towards the end of the year. I think Tyler Scott is the next guy up there, uh, probably to be just the volume guy. The thing that frustrates me the most, about, though, about Cincinnati right now, where is my news about running backs? For real. Nothing. There's what is going on? Nothing. Absolutely hush, nothing. Hush. And, like, I couldn't even, like, again, this game wasn't on TV, so it's not like I'm sitting here, like, looking for, um, like, I'm not I'm not looking on TV and just saying, like, oh, what's the number there that's carrying the ball? No, mm-hmm. wasn't on TV, so the only information we could get is out of beat writers who have just neglected to talk about the running back room whatsoever. I'm still going forward with Ryan Montgomery, but yeah. I, you couldn't tell me. You couldn't pay me to know what's going on in that backfield right now, and I'm still waiting on them to pick up yeah. somebody 
Exactly, Jared. I was going to ask you, why has there not been a transfer portal? This is prime real estate for a a stud running back right now. I think they're waiting to see who they can get. um, because We'll see. Yeah. There hasn't really, again, Zach Evans, I don't think was ever really good. Like, like in terms of running backs to be, there hasn't been like a ton of like true top tier guys. Right. Um, And Cincinnati knows, again, they they just put Jerome Ford in the in the draft that he's going to be drafted Mm -hmm. pretty well. But they know that they can kind of be a little choosy with who they bring in. And I get they want to probably want to see what they had in Montgomery and Charles McClellan. But like, good God, I just want answers. I just like if, if they really do believe in it, tell me, just tell me. Yeah. It's just nothing right now. Nothing. Yep. It's frustrating. Speaking of frustration, let's move on to our next one. <laughs> Good segue. Yes. Um, let's go ahead oh. and talk about Clemson offense continues to struggle. Uh, mm. Clemson had their spring game this past weekend. And if you are one of these people who, like me, uh, had major, major problems with Clemson's offense last year, and you think a lot of it kind of centered around just the offensive philosophy rather than like a specific player or two this spring game did nothing to assuage your fears and i can already feel the clemson fans coming at me right now being like we were missing half of our start no 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 yes you were missing a lot of your a lot of your receivers that doesn't excuse dj uyangalele overthrowing his receivers by about five yards Missing them mm. about, by about two yards to the left. Like, DJ didn't look good yesterday. He had a couple good passes here and there, but overall on the day, he was missing targets constantly. That doesn't get fixed with a, a personnel change out there. These weren't receivers running the wrong routes. These were just balls being thrown and not be, and just not being connected. In addition, just the, the offense just seemed so conservative in general because it wasn't mm. just DJ. Played Klubnik was struggling yesterday. Man, Klubnik had a slow start for sure. And so, uh, I will say this: that Clemson's defense is going to be great for redraft oh, if you do play yeah. defense. Hands, I mean, Clemson's but, always been decent, right? But that'll keep them closer in games. But they need the spark. So I'm excited for Will Shipley to come back because that's probably going to be the Will Shipley show. You know what I'm saying? Maybe some Bo Collins if we're lucky. I, I, I would love that. And like again. And I'm not throwing all the blame here on the quarterbacks. And again, that's my point. It's like, this isn't a quarterback problem. This goes also deeper O-line, than the quarterback. Yeah. The, the O-line is porous as hell right now. They mm-hmm. like that, that O-line has been a problem going back to the opener against Georgia last year. That's the reason why they never got anything going in that game. Again, Georgia's pass rush was phenomenal last year. Don't get me wrong. I'll brag about that all day long. Oh, yeah. But the O-line made it easy for Georgia. They sacked them, like, what, six, seven times in that game? Mm-hmm. Um. DJ was never really the same after that point. So like, still not. And again, like the other thing is, Dabo didn't bring anybody from the outside to bring some new, fresh ideas into this offensive staff. He hired from within. I forget who he hired off the top of my head, but he did hire from within. So this is the same kind of philosophy we've been seeing them run the past couple of years. I just don't see how they really bounce back in a big way compared to they were last year. Like, there's no way. There's nowhere but up for them from last year because their offense was abysmal. But I don't think it gets back to the point where we're going to really love having any of these players in CFF. Yeah, Will Shipley's the only guy I'm remotely, you know, and then if he's still, yeah, maybe Mafa, you know, as like a depth piece or something like that. But uh, yeah, temper expectations. Uh, I get it. No Antonio Williams, no Bo Collins, right? It would be nice to see what Antonio Williams is made of because I still am sad about Adam Adam Randall. Randall. Yeah. No, Randall's hurt. So Antonio Williams, Williams isn't there until the fall. Right. So he's not there. No Adam Randall, which I'm still bummed about because I feel like at least he's a big enough target to where he would have made DJU maybe look, you know, somewhat a little bit better by just having a big expansive catch radius that he could at least brought some of these passes down, right? But without Bo Collins there, without Randall, without Antonio Williams to the fall, uh Running backs, let's yeah, Will Shipley, Moffa, let's let's go with that. So <laughs> and Kobe Pace, don't forget about yeah, Mr. Pace, Kobe. yeah, Kobe Pace. All right, let's move on. Going to another ACC school here, and let's talk about our boy yes. Devin Leary. This man's finally getting the uh, respect that he deserves. Uh, I've been running a CFF mock that has been happening while these spring games have been going on. He just went off in the seventh round. Finally, that's much better. Like, that's much better than where he was going. Leary was getting uh, like. Let me see where he was going beforehand. Let me pull up the ADP. Just it had to be like late rounds, like 12th, 13th, maybe. So in CFF, he was getting taken as the QB 31. Wow. 
in the 10th round. So That's good value. No, no, y'all. Leary, is, <laughs> Leary was a top 20 quarterback last year in CFF, passed the ball all over the field, and it looks like they are ready to do that again this year. Dude three for, threw for three touchdowns and over... Uh, how many yards did he throw yesterday? Let me pull that up real quick. Uh, he uh, he threw for, yeah he 300? threw thirty four times for three hundred and fifty five yards and three touchdowns in a half yesterday during the spring game. They let him rip it all the over the field. He is going to be an exceptional value for you in CFF this upcoming year. And mm-hmm. that this is your last warning, people. This is your last warning. Grab him now. Yep. You're not going to get a much better value than than where he is right now because he's only going to go up and up throughout the rest of the season. Yep. Give Devin Leary his flowers. The man deserves it. Uh, I was talking, you know, to Corey Smith because we've been talking. We're getting it scheduled for the interview. But NFL scouts, when they were looking at Amizi and stuff like that, they weren't paying as much attention to Amizi as they were Devin Leary. And they're like, this kid's got a fantastic arm. He's got great poise. He's making good decisions when he's throwing these balls to these receivers. Granted, it was pro day, right? So no pads or anything like that. But apparently someone's been paying attention. So this kid's getting some draft stock. I'm almost, you know, I'm hearing that he could supplant Will Levis at a QB3 behind guys like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. So if you're looking at you know, those two top studs of you know quarterbacks, Devin Leary could easily sneak up there. So those that are in Debbie that possibly listen to this or those that are into uh, rookies, uh, you know things like that for the NFL, this is also a guy that you need to pay attention to. The man's got weapons, and he's got plenty of them. And you know he's finally getting some guys, the lower classmen are starting to develop and starting to do it. And we can talk about maybe a guy like a Porter Rooks who, who did pretty decent stuff like that. But – uh, you know, Devin Carter didn't play, but, you know, Thayer Thomas is still there. Keon Devin Carter played. Carter played? Okay. Carter played. He, I feel like I just didn't show out because I didn't hear much from him, basically. He had, he, so. had, he had at least one big catch. I remember I remember yeah. seeing him on the broadcast. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Carter guy just because of the outside. I like the big outside receivers. But if you love, you know, possession, Thayer Thomas is your guy. Uh, Anthony Smith is another one for depth. Uh, Lesane's probably going to be depth, too. Uh, but keep your eyes on on uh, Porter Rooks. Uh, I know we didn't get him in there as well. Uh, you want to talk about the uh, running back situation there at NC State? Yeah, I'll talk about it real quick. And I'll, I'll also second uh, Thayer Thomas is the guy I'm probably going to target in CFF drafts, but I'm fully ready to drop him Like as soon as I see like who Leary's actual target is uh, yeah. throughout the season. But there's the guy I'll probably grab late. Uh, in terms of the running back situation, Jordan Houston looks to be the next guy up there. He had five carries, 23 yards, and a touchdown yesterday. No receiving work, which was a little disappointing, especially considering how much Leary was just tossing it all around the yard. Um, but the other thing is that they are going to have another running back behind him by the name of Sumo. Uh, they are going to have a two-back system this year. So those of you who, like me, were kind of hoping that Houston might have been able to take over as like a full rb1 only like workhorse back situation here doesn't look like we're going to get that here they're going to have at least one guy behind him so um houston i still think so a fine late grab because like you know plenty there's plenty of cff running backs out there who do well even if there's another guy right right there behind him yeah um but yeah overall again leary is the guy for this offense like you're you're gonna want to pick up leary he's gonna be he's gonna be fantastic this year yeah he's he's excited for redraft you know, let alone, but if you have him in Dynasty and you've laid it this long, it's a heck of a value, and I'm, and you should be stoked because it's going to be a good season for him. I agree. All righty. Let's go ahead and go to Pitt, uh, where I have the main takeaway here. Pitt pass catchers impress. QBs struggle. Um, my big thing is here, I'll talk about the pass catchers. Brandon, I'll let you talk about the quarterback situation here. Um, the So to me, just watching this game, Pitt's loaded in terms of just talented catchers that they have. So you have, obviously, Jordan Addison. He's our, he's one of the top five wide receivers off the board in any CFF draft that you're going to. He's a top three wide receiver. No, he's the number one, maybe? Really? No, he's number two. He was the number two oh, wide receiver still. last year behind Jareth Stearns. Um, right. He was number two wide receiver last year. Like, There's a reason why people want to have him this year. Kanata Mumfield coming in over from Akron showed out yesterday. He was very impressive. Jared Wayne from uh, state or coming back from Pittsburgh last year. He's also very impressive. Uh, Gavin Bartholomew, this the talented tight end they have there. Mm-hmm. He's going to be great. There's just a really big problem, and the fact is that these quarterbacks 
are very much living in the shadow of Kenny Pickett right now. So Brandon, why don't you break down how Slovis and Patty did yesterday and why there should be some level of concern there. Uh, so let's talk about Patty first. He started off hot, um, but he only finished with two of seven in the possessions that he had. So he kind of like tatered off, uh, teetered off a little bit. But Slovis is the definite loser in this situation. Um, I'll be frankly honest with everyone, boys and girls. He is not the Keenan Slovis you remember in that one year at USC. There's a reason why Jackson Dart took the spot and never let go of it and then transferred out as well. Uh, Slovis hasn't really been the same, and I'm not going to hate on the man because I think he's got good tangibles. I think he could be a decent game manager, uh, kind of like an Anthony Brown at Oregon. He has the pieces to get it done. He just needs to make smarter decisions, and that's what's going to need to happen with Slovis. Uh, but this wasn't a plug-and-play situation with Kenny Pickett because this is not Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, we'll be very honest with you. So I do – uh, I'm, you know, I'm thinking Slovis probably is going to start because he was the transfer. He has the pedigree, so he's probably starting. But uh, if Patty can kind of get a little bit more consistent, I, I like that option, especially with these weapons. They just need, they got to feed the receivers. And, you know, I like some of the running back situation too. Uh, I forget the guy's name. It's a hard name to explain or to spell out, but uh, running back can be okay too. And I do like Bartholomew there. Yeah, I think so, right? Is, it, is there a, a Banaconda? I think that's the name I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. yeah they have, no, they I mean, have is he, depth. Is he so back. great? Like, he, like they, okay. they're, they're going to be fine at running back, is, is okay. the point. Like, Good. Whatever you thought about the running back situation last week, it's the same thing as this week. The, what we've okay. learned is the pass catchers are awesome. Quarterbacks are struggling here. Yes. And definitely the loss of Mark Whipple as uh, offensive coordinator is definitely uh, being felt here, I, I yes, would imagine. For sure. <laughs> for sure. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to our next takeaway here. And if you're if you're watching on YouTube, you're looking at me and saying, Jared, this is Kansas we're talking about. And I'm saying yes. And you guys know me. I do like just throwing out names here and there to where you're like, but Jared, like, why would you ever like again? I going back to Arian Smith a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Arian Smith. I got so I got several people talking to me telling me, like, oh my god, Jared, like, why would you ever bring that name up? Like, I like just throwing darts out here. As Felix yeah. likes to say, you got to shoot from deep sometimes. And the guy I'm shooting from deep right now, Jerry Casey at tight end for Kansas. This is a very bad tight end class, y'all. Sometimes you just got to go with guys that you want to shoot from deep on. And I think Jerry Casey is going to be a guy that I'm probably going to take in some deeper leagues this uh, this year. Kansas is a team that does not have a lot of proving pass catchers. Uh, they need some guys out there, and Jerry Casey, from all intents and purposes, it sounds like, has had a phenomenal spring for the Kansas Jayhawks. He's a former walk-on there, so that's kind of crazy that he, you can't get a scholarship at Kansas for football. But <laughs> um, but he, so he is a, he is now firmly in the starting lineup. You'll probably remember him last year when he caught the two-point conversion against Texas to win the game. Yeah, so he is uh, he has definitely carried that momentum. Through the rest of that season and into this season, I think he's going to be one of their favorite targets into this upcoming year in a, in a team that is going to be passing the ball a ton. I think Jerry Casey at tight end for Kansas is somebody I'm probably going to take a look at a little bit more. And he showed out in this spring game. So it just kind of confirmed what I was kind of looking out for. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see uh, any of the spring game. So when I got the name, I was like, all right, he's now penciled in as someone that I'm going to go and check out for sure. And then you might see him in some tight end rankings. So stay tuned. Absolutely. All right. We'll go ahead and move on from Kansas. Cause people are tired of hearing about Kansas. Uh, <laughs> so we'll go over to another terrible power five team, but this is one that I was personally excited about last week. I mentioned yes. them uh, before improved. we, before we kind of ended that segment last week and talking about the Arizona Wildcats here I already talked about, I think Jed Fisher has been doing a fantastic job kind of rebuilding this program, getting a ton of offensive talent in there for them to put uh to work with and the thing is in this in this arizona spring game the freshmen showed out man uh yeah. mcmillan caught two touchdowns on the day he was really fantastic and i believe somebody was quoted saying that he has become the go-to guy for Ooh. all the quarterbacks yes. in this offense in this offense which is going to be sad for a lot of the jacob cowling fans out there and i'm sure Cowling's still going to be great but like McMillan, it sounds like, is really kind of bringing a different level to this offense right now. Uh, taking advantage of the fact that he is a big fish in a relatively small pond for himself. He's playing Especially against... Especially P5, yeah. So, absolutely uh, take a look out for him. Um, freshman tight end, uh, Keon Burnett, 
Uh, also showed out yesterday. Um, very much a red zone target throughout the entire spring game yesterday. I believe he hauled in at least one touchdown. I can't remember if he hauled, out, hauled in two off the top of my head. And then finally, freshman quarter, true freshman quarterback Noah Fafita actually at times looked like the best quarterback for Arizona yesterday. I would be shocked if he ended up being the starter for Arizona by the, fall, by the time the fall rolls around. I still think it's Dolores' job, although I don't think that's quite settled between him and McLeod. Um, but Noah Fafiti, or Fafita, um, definitely keep an eye out for him. And if you're in a deep dynasty league and everything, I'd just pick him up and just kind of yeah, stash him away for a year. So, yeah, for sure. Brandon, what are your overall thoughts on this game? Love, loving the T-Mac uh, dominance. Uh, that's fantastic. We talked about him a few weeks ago in the Future Freshman Podcast. The kid was already set to go to Oregon. They were able to flip him last minute. So great recruiting. Uh, this is the piece that they really need to kind of do it. We need we need another Stanley Barry Hill, but we need him to be able to catch more touchdowns. And now T-Mac seems to be the guy that's that dominant guy. So I'm super excited to see that. I was, you know, a little bummed because I am a Cowan guy. I did enjoy his, you know, time at the, uh, was it Wyoming, I believe. Uh, so I did, I did like that offense and did like Cowan in that offense. So it is nice to see um, uh, T-Mac, you know, seeing a true freshman really be dominant. And that's, you know, you know, my side of things. That's what I like to, that's what I'm hoping for. So it's great to see. Um, I still think Delore is probably going to take it into game one, but uh, it doesn't seem like he's solidified as the, all out starter, no matter what happens, type situation. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. And Fafita is a great stash, like you were saying in Dynasty. So that's definitely a name I'd have circled and and ready to pick up for, for sure. So, but uh, great to see the progress for Arizona just uh, from last year to this year for sure. So I'll ask you this, Brandon, because you're Mr. Freshman guy and you're Mr. Mr. Supplemental uh, with this news with T Mac and everything really kind of showing out for Arizona and everything. Do you consider him a first round pick for supplemental drafts this year? I still think he falls to the second just because of all the quarterbacks. And like you were talking about, I mean, if you've got a guy like Matthew Golden, who's just barely, you know, getting back into the first round and me, I would personally take Golden probably over some of these quarterbacks. It just it really depends on your roster construction. We talked about it in a whole yeah. other episode. Right. But uh, for me, I would, you know, I'd be looking at Golden, but for guys that are really looking at, um, you know, like stacking up on these quarterbacks of the future and stuff like that, it does get really loaded up at the top there. And then, uh, but there's not a lot of – there's a few running backs. Of course, there's one in particular, and, you know, he's 101. But other than him, uh, you know, I would say uh, at the very highest late first, but I would say T-Mac probably early early second for sure. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to our last kind of big takeaway here. We're going to the game that you went to, Brandon. We're going to finish off with this. Going to UNC. Takeaway here. UNC running backs settled. QBs are not settled. Brandon, lay it out for us, man. But don't take ten minutes like you did with the with your uh, other video. Y'all can go check yeah, that out if, if you want. Yeah, if more. you guys, yeah, if you want the deep dive, go watch the video. So here's here's the key takeaways. British Brooks is your RB one, and that's solidified in gold. The man came back. He did not uh, decide to transfer. He did not decide to early graduate for a reason. Uh, he has the 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 playbook. It is what it is. British Brooks RB one. Uh, George Petaway looks fantastic in practice. It didn't transcend a lot during the game, but you can see the flashes of quickness that Petaway has. He's probably likely to take that Michael Carter type role that we're accustomed to. So look for George Petaway to probably be RB2. Guys like DJ Jones, Elijah Green that you saw in the game. Green had a great breakaway and he did fantastic in the game itself, but they are competing to relieve British Brooks. So don't, don't get it twisted. George Petaway is still in the mix. So if you're a uh, you know, looking at freshman drafts, George Petaway is the freshman you need to focus on. Uh, I'll quick Andre Green Jr. was not, he showed up literally the day before. And even Coach Brown was saying in the uh, press conference, he's like, you're over there looking all pretty and I can't play you. And he's like, let me go ask the NCAA. And then they told him no, because he just got on camp. So he's got to get all the stuff situated. Right. Uh, so, you know, Andre Green got to sit on the side, but that opens up uh, onto, uh, you know, of course, uh, Super senior uh, Antoine Green is back at it again on the other side of the field. Likely wide receiver too. Josh Downs is getting played anywhere and everywhere that you want to. And I get it. Some people are hesitant because Grimes, our top cornerback, didn't play him you know, a lot. But it's only because Don, Downs is getting moved a lot. So he's going to play not just the slot, but the outside. And they're also doing sweep stuff that we talked about, like uh, Tracy. So if you look on the lookout for that, that's a lot of volume for Downs. And he's likely to... I think break that mold of where because people were starting to figure him out at the end of the year and they put all their good corners on downs and his production went down. Now, you know, depending on who wins, 
the quarterback situation, which, you know, we'll, you know, we'll toss it to you here in a second, but that's definitely where, you know, uh, Downs is going to be used a lot. Antoine Green's wide receiver too. Uh, and then look for uh, sophomore JJ Jones to get a lot of hype. Uh, he might see some slot action and he might be relieving if Green or Downs moves to some of the positions. You might see JJ Jones get slotted in there for now. Uh, and just temporary expectations for Andre Green Jr. Give him time, you know, for summer and stuff like that. He might not be an asset until maybe middle of the year once he starts figuring it out. And because uh, he's, he's a stud, he's an absolute stud and he's a target monster. Uh, but he still has to learn the style that North Carolina plays. So, uh, and then we'll, we'll move the quarterback. I'll let you start what you saw with your eyes. And then, you know, I can go a little bit more into, you know, what I saw before you guys saw it live on, on ESPN. So, yeah. So they said, they said at the beginning of the broadcast that this was all decided by a coin flip uh, in terms of who got the start and everything. I don't buy that for a second. Uh, Cause right. it came out the exact order that I was expecting. Um, May got the first reps. Griswold got the second reps, and then Connor Harrell came out and got the third reps. That didn't shock me whatsoever. I do believe it when they say that, at least between May and Criswell, this is a very close quarterback battle. Harrell really shows some major upside, yeah, he's but talent. he's a true freshman. I doubt that they're ever going to play him, especially when you have guys like May and Criswell who've been there for a while. I think May has the job right now. But I think Criswell is very much within striking distance, and it's a little bit closer of a battle than I was anticipating. But I'm still going to keep May right where I have him in my rankings because, again, that little bit of hesitancy that I have is already kind of baked in as far as I know. This yeah. spring game really didn't show me anything I didn't know already outside of, again, like I think it was a little bit closer than I was expecting. But I still think May wins the job come fall. Um, I think he kind of is the most Sam Howell-like out of the bunch, and I think he'll be the most likely one to kind of keep the offense going like it has been. What are your thoughts, Brandon? Again, you're you're the UNC guy. You, you were sure. eyes on the ground. What are you thinking? All right. So they're, they're going to tell you they did the coin toss, which they did, and so it was May, Harrell, Chriswell, as far as like who started the games type situation. But when you're there beforehand, they're doing warm-ups, they're doing different drills and stuff like that on the side. And also when they do their exercises, they line up on the field and they usually do it by who's on what squad. So whether you're on ones, twos, or threes, as far as the strings. So Drake May was up in the front. He was the one that was hanging out with guys like Downs, Zach Rice, like I said, in the uh, stuff. Like I said, go watch that review if you want the deep dive. Then it was Chriswell. Then it was Harold. They look at Harold as the future. He is the freshman. He did struggle against because the, the at least the defensive line of North Carolina is much improved. So they really got after Harold. But Harold makes some good decisions and he's elusive. So I do like his feet. And that's what coming, you know, I believe to his dad is the one that kind of trained him in that matter and stuff like that. So it's great to see uh, the transition of a, a quarterback that can really get it done as far as on, you know, with the feet. But for now, we're looking at probably Drake May because of the pedigree and accuracy, I would say. Slight advantage, but Chris will move the sticks. He he really got down the field a lot during that spring game, and I think you guys saw that too. So the, it's close, and the good thing is that Coach Brown has said that Coach Longo, they both fit the same exact bowl as far as quarterback. That's why it's so hard to to get a, a you know a difference. So it's really going to come down to summer and who's making a leadership and who's stepping up like in the actual QB room and who's leading the charge and making audible plays and stuff like that as the summer progresses. I still give them the advantage to May uh slightly but that's the risk you take you know so yeah for now british brooks is your guy for rb1 <laughs> yeah british brooks and george pettaway again brandon yep. i'll ask you again because again you're mr freshman guy and everything is pettaway a first round guy for you uh first round no i think he's dropping into the second uh just like i said there's just a lot of quarterbacks and wide receivers and stuff like that you want to take in the thrust so i think he's dropping into the second uh probably early second uh but you you don't want to miss on him if you, if you have the opportunity I know Jared has multiple seconds, so he might be uh, snatching some of these guys. I know. So here we go, right? So me being the third round, I'm just, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, George Pettaway in uh, in the second for now, uh, but could rise if we hear more great reports in the summer and we get some more footage out there on YouTube that it leaks and stuff like that. So he's he's crushing it. So, All righty. We'll go ahead and we'll kind of preview the spring games coming into this next week. Um, I'm going to run through them real quick, and then Brandon and I are going to cover three each very briefly of the ones we're most excited about. On Thursday this week, so when you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, tomorrow night, you have Florida. Uh, They have their spring game on a Thursday for some reason. UTSA, uh, you have New Mexico State if you're a uh, psychopath. 
On Friday, you have Eastern Michigan. You got Iowa State playing another open scrimmage. Um, you got Navy, Northwestern on Friday as well. And then Saturday's a big day. Uh, lots of big schools playing that day. You got Kent State, Ball State, Middle Tennessee, North Northern Illinois, South Alabama, Tulane. I just realized I said a bunch of big schools. I just named a bunch of D5 programs. But lots, a lot of schools um, playing early in the morning. Arkansas, Miami. Uh, Mississippi State, Ohio State, UCF, Georgia, Rice, Michigan State, Oregon State, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, Alabama, Virginia Tech, Duke, South Carolina, Hawaii, Indiana, and Kansas State all play on Saturday. Some of them don't even have a time yet, which is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> so we'll we'll see how that goes. But Brandon, you and I are going to talk about three briefly here i'm going to let you start off talk about three of the spring games you're most excited about kind of try to keep it about one to two minutes each on the three that you're most excited about sure yeah so and i use who i picked um i want to see who's going to win out at running back harrison willie is now recovered from injury he's fully healthy and been practicing so was harrison willie going to take rb1 or is brown going to surplant him and take that spot that's what i'm really interested in uh like rick you know lombardi i believe is still there so uh, it's it's a good high octane, and of course uh, the wide receivers there as well. Still, uh, the name eludes me. I forget it because oh, Rudolph. So Rudolph's there as well. So kind of keep looking for that. Um, the next game I'm interested in is Ohio State. Of course, we have uh, JSN. We have Harrison Jr. already kind of there, one and two. I want to see who's going to win out wide receiver three. We've been hearing a lot of stuff, and I know Matt Bruning's been on, you know keeping us informed as far as what's going on in the battle there, but is it going to be E squared? Is it going to be, you know, Mecca or is it going to be Fleming? Uh, you know, Heartline's big on Fleming, but he's been dealing with injuries all these past couple of years. It looks like, uh, you know, Mecca's doing a really great job. Is he going to be the wide receiver three? So that's what I'm interested in seeing as well. The last one is South Carolina. I want to see how Rattler's going to fare one in a new system uh, Two, who's this true wide receiver one. Now we have options, right? we got Rucker. we got Van. Uh, we got what's his name that came over from Antoine Wells. Yep, Wells is on there as well, and I really like him too. Who's going to be the top guy? Also, there's two really good tight ends there with, with Jaheim Bell and Austin Stogner. Are they going to run a two tight end set? Are they just going to have one? Is one going to block and one going to catch? Like these are the kind of questions that I really have. I'm very very intrigued with South Carolina. I just want to see what's what they're capable of, especially with Beamer. So those are my three that I'm picking this week, man. Go ahead and talk about. You're picking, and I, I see one with a big G there, so I got, I knew it was coming. I'll go ahead and get that one out of the way, guys. I'm excited about the Georgia spring game because you know why. I'm a Georgia fan. We just won our national championship. I'm going to be there in person. Like, why would I not be excited about this? But I'll go ahead and talk right. about the other two here. UTSA, I want it. Like, I have a soft place in my heart for the Meep Meeps. I think everybody kind of does. But Frank Harris is coming back. Uh, Zachary Franklin's also coming back. I want to see how they do. But also, we did have Sincere McCormick go off to the draft. So we got to see who's going to take his spot there at running back. I got my stake in with Juco transfer Ty Evans. He has been getting some hype during the spring. I've got several guys injured now back there. Another guy transferred out, if I remember correctly. So he's kind of almost the last man standing back there. So he's going to get the carries, I think, this weekend. I'm excited to see what he can do there. And then UCF. What's the quarterback situation look like here? Again, I've been hyping up John Rice Plumley. I don't like Mikey King. I've been very vocal about that. But let's see. Let's see it actually out there on the field. Let's actually put them head-to-head, compare them right there in the same kind of environment, not just rely on practice reports. I want to see how Ryan O'Keefe is doing. I want to see how um, Jalen Robinson's coming back from injury. So let's see if he's back to form or not. Uh, Isaiah Bowser, I do like Isaiah Bowser a lot this year. I want to see if he's really back to form because he was injured throughout a lot of the season last year. So, yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much it. Um, Brandon, before we head out of here, I've just got another thing. It looks like uh, Wheaton is officially going to SMU. Okay, finally. So, we, I, will, I guess I will save that for next week um, but or, when we get around to that. So or I'm going to save it for the transfer portal report. But yeah. even still... That brings us to the end of our show. Brandon, I really appreciate you coming back on again this week. Again, you're doing a fantastic job with some of the spring reports and everything that you've been doing. Uh, Going out to UNC yesterday and getting those interviews was fantastic. I cannot wait to hear those on Friday. Are you attaching them along with the future freshman pod? Or are they replacing it? 
Yeah, it's going to be like a special edition. I mean, we're going to take a break from the freshman, at least for this week. We okay. do talk about some of them. So there will be, it's still freshman centric, you know, but there's still going to be a lot more of the spring game talk gotcha. and just standouts that we're looking for, both from Corey, uh, Corey Smith and from uh, Don Callahan. So uh, just be looking for that. Uh, and then, you know, back to normal scheduling program after that. So, yeah, sounds good. Uh, anything else you're working on, Brandon? Again, you want to throw out to the people before we head out of here? Um, eventually you'll finally start seeing, you know, my final, my first right, you know, right up there for C2C. Of course, it's going to be the RBU series. So look for the North Carolina one. Uh, like I said, we talked about Brooks and Penaway. So, I, you know, a little bit more of a deep dive there and why North Carolina is uh, becoming such an RBU, just like guys like Georgia and Oklahoma out there for sure. Yeah. Alrighty, and yeah, that pretty much uh, sums up here for us. Again, appreciate y'all tuning in. And again, apologize for getting this out late to you guys a couple days late. Appreciate you guys tuning in for that. Um, again, if you're listening on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, all that good jazz. If you're on podcast, make sure you follow us. Make sure you leave those five-star reviews. Those are all very much welcome. And guys, we got, again, got another big weekend of spring games kind of finishing up here. Um, as soon as we kind of finish up with the spring games in the fall or in the, in the near the end of April here and everything, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about Dynasty Supplemental Drafts because Usually those kind of start happening right around after spring practices start happening. People have a better idea of which freshmen are probably going to pop a little bit better. Uh, so we're going to kind of shift towards that. And then eventually we're really going to start diving real deep into some of our redraft stuff again. We've been doing that here a little bit as well, again, with all these spring games and everything. But that's when we're really going to start breaking it down for you guys. Very excited about that. Until then, appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a wonderful day and a blessed weekend.